Well, it's good to see your shining faces. Happy anniversary. Did you bring a gift? There's an envelope out there <laughs> you can use. Anyway, I wasn't supposed to advertise. But anyway, oh, it's so good. It's so good. We had a great night last night and uh, just reflected on the decades of life at MCBC. Some of you came very early. I mean, not today, but um, <laughs> very early in the life of the church. You've been here for a while. And so you've seen kind of ups and downs and changes and all the other stuff that goes on. And uh, you're still here. And that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, Y2K. How many of you remember that? That's way, way back there somewhere. Y2K. Everybody thought something was going to blow up or the world was going to end or our computers would just change the world and just it would just be horrible. So when we woke up on January 1st, it was still the same. <laughs> Nothing was going on. And, and so that was about the time that I was looking for some other place for ministry. And, and I realized I had just, well, I had passed 50 a little bit, so I figured I don't have much time left. What am I going to do with my life? Have you at 50 thought, you say, what, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? You have a chance to look back and say, all those stupid things that I did and said and stuff, I can forget that, but what did I do with any meaning? And what am I doing now? And what am I going to do the rest of my life? You know, when you're 16, everybody says, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? When you're 50, you think, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? And, and I thought, oh, well, just one good kick at the can again in a church. I would just love to do that. I'd love to retire from a place that I just love being at. And you haven't got rid of me yet. <laughs> uh, we've been here 20 year, 23 years. We're still members. And we're, I hate to use the word proud, but we are. You know, when Mary and I are out somewhere and we say, we're still members of the church and they love us there. And, and it's great. We feel like we're at home. It's a family. And that is so unusual. Other pastors look at me as if I've got three heads. Say, why would you ever do that? Well, because it's home. It's because we just enjoy being here. And uh, you know, when I the, the church contacted me, and <clears throat> I had an interview with the search committee and so on, and then finally they said, "I think you." They said, "I think you need to meet Doug Coombs, our pastor. He's retiring." And uh, I said, "I'd love to do that." Incidentally, I heard last night from Frank was, as they were talking about, as he was talking about the beginning, the beginnings here, made connection to John Dozwa, who was the pastor at Kipling Avenue Baptist. I happened to be a pastor at Kipling and Albion at the same time uh, in another group of Baptists. And so I knew John and had connection with him, and I kind of heard about something happening in Mississauga. I thought, oh, that's cool. And and little did I know that eventually I'd be in what I had heard about so many years before. Talk about coincidence. I call it divine choreography. 
you know how God just kind of brings things together. And you have no idea what's going on. Because he knew a few years later what was going to be best for me. And as I talked with Doug, it was just, it was wonderful to sit in the office and we shared, you know, our journey and what we're doing and what we feel and all the rest of it. And, and we just really bonded together like that. And it was just wonderful to say, Doug, you stay as long as you're here and retired. And we just had a, had a wonderful time. And by the way, I knew it was the place we had to come because both of our wives are Mary's. Coincidence. We both drive decrepit Cavalier cars. So that was a help. And both of our wives are nurses too, so they took care of us. And so that's why we were able to do what we had to do. But all these little things happen, and, and you just get the sense that uh, God is up to something, and uh, let's be part of it. Let's join him in what he has already planned to do and enjoy the ride. Because you know, it's not who is here and it's not a competitive race. I would love to sit under the ministry of Pastor Frank. I'd love to be able to to just talk with Pastor Doug and share with him. Frank and Doug and me and now Richard and Sheldon and the rest of the staff and so on, we're all doing something that God has called us to do. Not to lord it over or to be compared to or anything like that, but just to serve as we can do as best we can under the power of the Spirit of God. And I was reminded of that in the middle of last night. I guess I didn't sleep all night, but most of the night. Uh, <clears throat> Paul was writing about his own journey of, of uh, establishing churches and, and getting stuff going, and he was the pioneer missionary beyond compare and all the rest of that. But here's what he says when he's talking to the church in Corinth. He says, oh, what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? In other words, what is Frank? What is Doug? What is Dave? What is Richard? What is Sheldon? Hmm. They're only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted, he says, the seed. Apollos watered it. But God has been making it grow. You see, it's God's plan. It's not your pastor's plan. Oh, he might be working on things. You see, God's big picture and plan is that he wants this thing to grow. There's no such thing as a church that is not growing. If it's alive, it's got to grow, doesn't it? You don't expect children to be in diapers for 40 years. They grow, thankfully. You see, if it's a living thing, it grows, and that's the plan. God has been... I planted the tree and... Or the seed, he says, and Paulus watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. I love that. Okay, God, go ahead. Make them grow. Just make them grow. 
oh, you want me to do something about it? <laughs> yeah, well, that's part of why gifted gifts are given to the spirit, by the Spirit of God to the people of God to minister to one another in whatever way is best in design. So, uh, you know, I, I'm so grateful that that you've embraced Mary and me for this season in our lives because we need you and we're grateful for you. And we don't want to get in the way. We don't want to, you know, tell you what to do by any means. We just want to love you and be part of it all. And so that's why that's why we're here. And 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 really, the whole business of of jubilee is just a, a fascinating Old Testament concept. It's something that's invested in the in the ritual, in the religion, in the system, and everything that God invested in the Torah and in the in the the, the original uh, practice of religion uh, in the Jewish faith has a fulfillment and a and a carryover into real life long years and centuries later so that's what we see when we look at jubilee is that a i didn't know whether that was a new jelly bean or <laughs> or jujubes or something that people should have today so we remember what this is all about but a jubilee is a celebration it's a family event it's something which causes great joy and great fellowship. And we saw that last night, and the Jubilee is there. Um, and so when they established this, when it was established, it was to be an opportunity for people to realize who God was and what he had planned for them. And it revealed itself in several steps. There are several things that happened at a Jubilee. The first thing that happened related to the land. And the land was set fallow for a year. And those of you who have done any gardening or farming even recognize that soil depletes itself after a while. And it needs to be refreshed. It needs to to be taken care of. And so God knew that. Why? Because the earth is the Lord's. He made it, and he knows what's best for the earth, and so he had his people step back from using it for a full year, a year of jubilee. They said, what are we going to eat? We can't go to the farm, we can't plant seeds, we can't do all this kind of stuff that we're normally supposed to do. Hmm, what do we do? Well, we trust the promise of God that he will supply greater in the last year, in the sixth year of that seven-year period, so it would carry over, you would have enough. And he promised he would do that. He promised that. And so they would go into the Jubilee knowing that God was going to supply. He had supplied already. They had abundance from the year before. But not only that, but there was another aspect where it seemed as if people were affected. So it was creation was affected, then people were affected. Because those who were sold as servants, I mean as slaves, they were poor people and they had to, they had to pay off their debts by joining a family and working for them. Every time a jubilee year came, they were set free. They could go back to their family, they could go back to their, their farm, wherever they happened to be, they were set free. All their debts were gone. Everything was set back into the original state. Why? Because God 
would provide for them. And these people were not to take advantage of one another. They were to set them free on Jubilee year. So that's an amazing thing. When you think of the economic uh, situation and the circumstances regarding that, it was a real privilege. And people would just be so excited and anticipating, I'm going to be set free. So there's a, a social aspect to it. But there's a third aspect too, which is the spiritual one, which is really pictured in the whole idea of being released, the bondage, you're being set free from something. Being set free from the bondage of, of servanthood. Being set free from having to do things in certain ways. And Jesus talked about that. He said in his prophetic um, uh, first sermon that he preached in, 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 uh, in, the, in the temple, and he grabbed out <laughs> Isaiah 61, and he said, I'm going to set the captives free. Bondage is going to be gone. People are going to be worshiping me in new ways. It's going to be different. And there was a spirit here that, that was demonstrated in, in, the, in the Jubilee period so that it could be demonstrated too as time went on. So here, here we have the picture of, of Leviticus and people serving God and, and learning what, what, uh, what Jubilee is all about and anticipating it and, and enjoying it finally when they get there. And we don't hear too much about it for a while. But as Pastor Richard said, there's, there's, 50 is not a huge number in Scripture, but 50 is, of course, the Jubilee year. But 50 is the 50 days after Pentecost, at least after the Day of Atonement, Pentecost occurred. 50 days. 50 and 50. Now, why would it be not another 50 years? Well, I don't think God could wait that long. He was so excited about what was going to happen that he said, okay, I'll do it in the 50 days because they've already celebrated that moment in their history every year. But now it's going to be a different one. It's going to be a Pentecost time. And that's when the Spirit of God fell upon his people and everything changed. And so you start to look at those three tracks, if you wish, the creation the social aspect, and the spiritual aspect and make application into our own lives and into our church life and into our, our future and into, into what God expects of us. And, and this isn't brain surgery, folks. This isn't somebody inventing a new thing. You've heard all of this before and you've been thriving on it before. And so I say, if you're heading for another jubilee, just keep on doing the things that you're doing doing the things which are a jubilee experience as well as revealed because of the Pentecost experience, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So you look at creation and, you know, the environment is a major issue on news and all the way through our culture now. What's happening with the forest fires and the volcanoes and the and the earthquakes and just oh, all this horrible stuff we see. We wonder what to do. But you see, God has a plan for his earth. And God has revealed to us that that earth is groaning until the day 
of redemption. And as we see natural calamities and disasters, we recognize again this is the groaning of creation. Waiting for what? The new heavens and the new earth. It's coming. There's a new heavens and a new earth. Really? Do you want to be there? It sounds pretty good to me. No more pain, no more crying, no more... Well, will there be tacos and burritos there? I don't know. That would be nice. But I'm sure that what's coming is really a picture of what is invested into the original jubilee, because this is the final jubilee. So you've got jubilee in the Torah, you've got jubilee at Pentecost, beginning the work of the Spirit of God, and you've got the final jubilee coming in the new heavens and the new earth. Praise God. Is that a nice plan? Well, as I say, that's not startling new news. It's not. But what can we do as believers in Jesus Christ, as the church of Jesus Christ, to impact our world, our creation? We can't solve those big problems. We don't have the resources or the information or, or whatever. I mean, if, if, if the governments can't do it, <laughs> maybe somebody else needs to. But who is there? It's impinged upon us to have a view of our creation where we care for it, where we are stewards of it, where we appreciate it, and we, we do whatever we can, whatever small part we can, to maintain the creation as it should be. We have to do that. That's part of what Genesis 3.15 tells us, where Adam was told, okay, now <laughs> you got to... Get those thistles, you gotta work at it, you gotta, you know, you're gonna need fallow years and all the rest of it. Incidentally, I know the new heavens and the new earth will not have creeping Charlie anymore. <laughs> have you ever tried to get rid of creeping Charlie? If you don't know what that is, you talk to me later. <laughs> See, it's, they'll be gone. <laughs> Those things will be gone. But we need to care for our creation. That's the mandate that God has given to us as humans. That's part of our being. But it's also social. There's also those, those concerns that reach out to people who are the last, the least, the lonely, the, the hurting, the broken, the, the addicted, and all the rest of the people that are around us. There's a social aspect to Jubilee, a social aspect that says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will sacrifice what we have and time and resources, and we will do what is necessary to help our world that is hurting and people who, who just need help. That social aspect is so important. It's one of the reasons I was so happy getting into, into the convention, because there, there, there's that there's that sense that has always been there, you know, and some say, well, you go over too far and you lose the gospel, or you go over this way and you don't have any compassion. Well, you have to go into that tension, and you have both. You can live with both. You can do both in the name of Jesus. So there's that 
caring and compassion and concern for people's deepest needs. And we try to supply as many as we can. That's part of the Jubilee mandate. But then the spiritual, you can't get past that because that's the foundation of it all. If there wasn't an answer to the sin problem in our world, why are we here? We're not here just to have a good time and blow a few balloons and have dessert or something. You know, it's just not that. You have to recognize that there's a lost world out there. People need the Lord. It's Jesus who makes a difference in people's lives. That's why Pentecost is there, because Jesus said, I will send my spirit upon all flesh. And isn't it interesting that from Pentecost to the end, Jubilee is not something just a Jewish experience. The Torah is left behind and the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And he is the one who makes the difference. He is the one. And so if we continue to share the good news of Jesus Christ, we will see people respond. Why? Because God is concerned about people out there. These are people that he knows he can meet their needs. And their needs are something that are even beyond what any local church can do because it's a spiritual transformation that is necessary. And that spiritual transformation makes all the difference in people's lives. And that has to be our goal. You can do it in so many different ways, but it's ultimately to introduce people to Jesus Christ. And so, I'm not sure I'm going to be around for your next Jubilee, but I'll join you from on high. Because <laughs> some of you will be here, should the Lord tarry. And see, it's, it's a Jubilee experience for, for the world. And, and I'm starting to hear reports of, of major revival stuff happening in the southern tier of, of the world. and in India, there's apparently amazing things happen. I met a fellow last night who came with, with Peter Paul um, from India. He says he's here for a week, and he's holding evangelistic meetings or something here through South Asian Church. And, and I met him, and he said, it's just amazing what's happened. I mean, I was reading reports, but then I got a living report. People are, are, are flocking in by the thousands into, into the places where they hear the good news and, and respond. And it's creating problems. We hear it as persecution. But those people who are being persecuted at this point consider it a privilege to be able to, to give their lives if necessary for the good news of Jesus Christ. And what a difference that makes. And so I say, yeah, I agree with Joshua's prayer. Where is revival coming? Can we trust God in the, in the next 50 years to touch Canada with a deep sense of revival spirit? Turning to the Lord and 
experiencing the fullness of the Spirit of God and, and purity in our lives and, and openness and honesty and all the rest. Just the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's a jubilee spirit. And may it infect us with a real disease. There's no cure because the only cure is new life in eternity. So what's better? Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Oh, thank you for the simplicity of your word and the greatness of your heart. And Lord, we pray that we would reflect on what has happened in years gone by, that would we would acknowledge your hand at work in deep ways and and sometimes strange ways, sometimes funny ways. Lord, you just have these ways of of showing yourself in so many different aspects of life. But we know that you have blessed this congregation. You will continue to do that as together they seek the Lord. May this be a jubilee year. May it be something that is beyond our hope and our thoughts, because that's the kind of God you are. We give you praise for it all with thanksgiving from the depths of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.